0: Welcome to my podcast, Autism Connections. My name is Mary, and I have an 18-year-old son with autism. 16 years ago, I received a devastating diagnosis. It's through my connections I have made along the way that I have received so much love, support, and guidance. It's my hope that by sharing these amazing connections with you and their experiences, that you also may be helped and learn much. I am so excited today because I have Dana with me today. Hi, Dana. Hi, Mary. Thanks for being here. Dana put together an intro, so I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Dana is a mother to two boys, ages 14 and 11. Her 14-year-old was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder at two and a half. He is considered low functioning, nonverbal and requires 24 seven supervision and care. Dana has long has learned to be her son's advocate and voice and is passionate about sharing her experiences to help others navigate the world of special needs parenting. Well, thank you so much, Dana, for being here today. This is one of those topics that I think are not discussed enough. And I'm really grateful that you reached out to me. And if it's okay, I want to share what you sent to me. Is that okay? If I said, if I read that. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. So as you guys know, I started this podcast three weeks ago. We have talked about faith. We've talked about paying it forward. And I received a message from Dana and she said, if you want to have someone on the podcast to talk about the not so good, bad and ugly about parenting, severe, nonverbal, aggressive, pubescent children, I'm your gal caregiver burnout few developmental milestones, 24 seven required care with little or no help in a tapped out draw and a tapped out draught of respite workers. I'm not here for rainbows and unicorns, but I'm willing to speak about my experience. She said, I won't be offended if you're trying to keep it positive and light, though. And I want to go back to really welcoming you, Dana, for agreeing to reach out to me. So tell me what it was or what it is about this topic that you're passionate about chatting. Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me,
1: Mary. I appreciate the, the platform. I think it's important. Um, for parents that are our children's voice to have the opportunity to speak in a safe place um, without being um, judged or a- attacked by um, others in the the community. Um, I think that the world and Hollywood have, you know, made some leaps and bounds in representation and inclusion. However, on our end of the spectrum, where color is at, which is the you know the more low functioning, um, you know highly impacted. However you want to say it, I hate all the labels, but it is what it is. Um, we're not represented, and people don't hear about us, and parents don't have places to turn where they can find somebody that's walking this type of journey. And so I was just inspired to reach out to let you know that I'm happy to talk about what we go through on our end of the spectrum.
0: Yeah. Thank you. It's timely. I shared with you, we're going through a season and I always call it a season, but I'm going through a change right now with T and you know, this is something I definitely think is important to talk about, but before we get into, to the bulk of what we're talking about today, I want to kind of go into how we met so Dana and I are members of how many Facebook groups, Dana, are you a member of, do you know, like with autism? yeah three, or, three four, or four right yeah yeah, same with me so it was one on one of the one of the Facebook groups that we are part of the private Facebook groups having to do with autism I know is where we met. I think I know which one it was, but you have shared like I have shared on Facebook a lot of the struggles and challenges that go along with having a child or a teen that has special needs severe special needs that needs twenty four seven care so that's my recollection. Do you, Can you think of anything else? <laughs>
1: no, and I mean, it, you actually were very uh, influential and helpful in assisting us in getting um, state aid. So
0: I thank you uh, for that, yeah. Oh, a- absolutely. Yeah, for all of you that have not, are in Illinois, and are on that puns list, and you're waiting on that puns list, and you haven't followed up and bugged them about getting you approved funding, go for it because, uh, that is definitely something I'm passionate about. I'm so glad you got that Han. It's so, that's so amazing. Um, so amazing. You got that. So as far as your experience with Keller and navigating autism, what have you found to be the greatest challenges that you have faced as a family? I know that's a big question. It is a big question.
1: Um, Well, communication comes to the forefront. Um, He does not use words to communicate. And so there's a lot of mind reading, um, guessing, uh, trial and error involved in navigating daily life with color. Um, My husband and I kind of have to divide and conquer because we do have another child. So a lot of times it's, you know, team mom and keller and and then the other two are off doing their thing so unfortunately it it creates a, a divided family and the resources in illinois you know even though we have been approved for um crisis intervention and and have the waiver available there's just not a lot of people out there willing to be hired on to assist families in our situation so it's hard to find caregivers therapists you know, respite, all the things just to get a break.
0: Absolutely. And what I found is the older that T got, the harder it was for me to find individuals that were equipped um, with crisis prevention training and were able. Have you found that to be true?
1: One hundred percent. I mean, because. Keller is now 14 and he's, we've talked about both of their sizes, he's he's 6'5", 170. Um, He is hard to, um, I hate to say control, but he's hard to guide because the people that I've had apply have been lovely, bubbly, bright eyed, eager, you know. Young ladies going into special ed, the the willingness is there, but because looming aggression is also always a possibility, I can't bring somebody into my home that Keller's got you know seventy pounds on. It's just not safe. So right. it, it takes a special kind of person to be you know physically able to help us, and it's just hard to to find them.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I it's it's always hard to find the right person. I was super blessed in the past where I would find people that I was able to have come two or three times a week and keep them for a period of time. But when I would bring new people in, there was such incredible turnover Mm -hmm. because either even if they were, I had a special ed, uh, para actually, actually, she was a teacher from one of the local schools. And she was with me only for a certain amount of time because of the burnout, she probably felt because she was in the school all day. And then she was coming over to our house afterwards, you know, and you can only do so much Mm -hmm. as a special ed provider. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you
1: ask people that work with special needs children, one of the first things that they suggest is tapping into the schools in the area or the therapy companies in the area to see if they would want to take some extra work on, earn some extra money on the side. And I agree with you. I mean, if they've, they've been in that environment all day, how could they possibly extend themselves even further to do it for additional hours in
0: the evening? Absolutely absolutely so we've you know when i've brought people on i tend to give them the worst possible scenario early on from the beginning because it does take so much effort and energy to find the right person then you interview them then you you know obviously introduce them to your child you see how they would you know fit together you make sure they're available you make sure they're reliable you know do you trust them to stay at home with your child and, and in your house i mean there's so many different there's so many different caveats to that you know this last weekend i would took 3 days away and i went to see my other son in tennessee and it took me i'd never done that before one other time i did with my caregiver but in all my time of being a single mom I've never once left Tommy with respite person. And I'll tell you what, it was the best thing I ever did, but it was hard to get to that point, right? Cause there's so much involved.
1: Well, and nobody does it as good as mom, right? So you're always thinking, you know, how are they gonna know what color cup he likes? How are they gonna know what snack he likes? How are they gonna know this? How are they gonna know if he's asking for that? And, I mean, I even have those thoughts with my own spouse, you know, leaving the house um, for a short time. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot to want help, but not be willing to allow it to happen because we're, we're so used to being in control of the
0: situation. Absolutely. Oh, that's a really good thing to talk about. I, no, one's ever going to be able to do it like us, right? No one ever is going to be able to do it like us. And so I have to remember that for sure. It's a good reminder because the reality is some point in time when we're not here and others are caring for, it's just, it's just how it's going to be. Right? So while we're here, I need to figure out like what I need to let go of what's really important yes it's important tommy's safe and that the towels are picked up and his laundry's in his basket whatever but if anything every and his medication gets given but you know i can set aside some of those things that aren't quite as as important in everything so you found somebody didn't you to help you guys you found a, ch- a respite care worker
1: we have somebody that's... that's willing to do like a couple hours here and there which is huge i mean even just to be able to go out to dinner with my husband is, is huge. So um, we're grateful for that. Absolutely. Of course, we would like more. We would like somebody to be able to come on a regular scheduled basis, you know, for a few hours a week or whatnot. But we'll, we'll take what we can get at this point.
0: Absolutely. Sometimes I have a gal who comes. She's been fabulous. She's been with us for six months and four times a week. She comes for three hours at a time. And there's times that I have nothing to do outside the house. And sometimes I'll just stay in my room and rest or binge watch Netflix while she's here. I mean, we just need that time away. Mm -hmm. Burnout is such a huge issue, potential burnout Mm -hmm. as the longer, the longer we're in this position we are in. right? Right. So as far as puberty was concerned, I don't know about you, but I can remember before puberty hit a friend of mine saying, oh, just wait for puberty. And at the time, I don't know if I was just in la-la land and had my ears closed or didn't want to hear about it, but I really wasn't that concerned about it until when he did start going through puberty and he started growing and some of the behaviors got bigger. It got pretty horrible for a season. Do you remember when you were told about potentially how hard things could get from puberty, whether it was from a doctor or a therapist, do you have any recollection of that?
1: Yeah, I definitely remember having a conversation with the developmental pediatrician. It was probably around when Keller was eight or so, when we were starting to do some medication adjustments and he, I've always been very, cautious with medications and just very mindful. I've never wanted to just zombie Keller out and throw him in a corner. I still want him to be Keller. Um, so he said, you know, some families have to use, heavily rely on medication just to get through the years of puberty. And I thought that was interesting to know that there could be an end in sight for as far as medication is concerned. Um, one of the other things that I was warned was that seizures were possible once puberty started. And I had heard other families that have you know, those coexisting conditions and they have children on the spectrum that also have epilepsy or downs or whatnot. But it just, it wasn't on my radar because autism is just the, his main diagnosis and all that I've really wrapped my head around. And sure enough, after a big growth spurt, when um, just after Keller turned 10, he had a grand mal seizure. So we did add more medical complications and more medications into his life at that point. And we also obviously were warned about all of the physical um, behaviors and whatnot that come along with puberty. I just, because Keller um, often is, alone and and sort of in his own um, space. I never thought about the kind of like instinctual behaviors that occur when puberty exists. I I never thought about Keller having any desires or attractions to females. And it's happening. I mean, he's, he's doesn't use words to speak. He can't tell me that he thinks a girl is pretty, but gosh darn it. He's running up and grabbing them. And these are, these are big inappropriate behaviors that we're dealing with right now. And it, it, it is kind of interesting to me to think like, those are just like, you know, caveman instincts <laughs> kicking in, right. in his brain that he can't help. Um, so, you know, it makes sense. And I think my mom put it best. She said, Keller's doing what every 14 year old boy wants to do. He just doesn't know that he's not supposed to do them. So yeah, we're, we're definitely dealing with a whole new bag of, of behaviors with puberty.
0: Yeah. And one of the things we discussed is how our other kids, cause you have a son as well. And I love, by the way, I love seeing all your Facebook posts you have about your other son and all the different activities that you do. And you guys, it looks like you do a really beautiful job of tag teaming it with both kids, which is not easy to do at all. Right. Yeah. Not easy, not easy to juggle both. Has your other son, I'm just curious been open to like sibling type. Um, groups or for special needs, does he have any interest or is that something that you've ever entertained with him?
1: He does the buddy program at school and like naturally navigates to helping other special needs children in the building and has in turn formed relationships and friendships with their siblings. Um, So just in our community circle, he's had experiences um, forming friendships with other children that have siblings that are special needs we haven't pursued any type of formal groups or therapies or anything like that the kid is so busy that honestly, it's, it's hard right? to find time just to, to poke in other things but Um, He gets a lot of support from the social worker at school. Um, She's very in tune to the fact that Grady has a lot going on at home um, with Keller as a sibling. So that's been wonderful.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful that he has those relationships. I'm actually going to be doing a podcast. My son has has actually said that he would agree to participate. So I'm going to be looking for some other siblings too, that, you know, may be interested in, you know, chatting about their experience. My other son is 20. So I'm sort of just curious from their perspective, you know, what their thoughts are, because it is such a huge situation, having a, having a sibling, having a brother with special needs. I mean, the number of vacations I've gone on that have had to been altered or, you know, stuff like that. They're so impacted, you know, and I think it is great that other people, whether it's guidance counselors or social workers, or they can chat with other people that have brothers or sisters with special needs. I think that's, that's so important. Definitely important. And also just spending one-on-one time. I had so much fun seeing my oldest son this weekend one-on-one because I feel so distracted when I'm not, you know, when i've got both kids together yeah absolutely yeah so the other thing we talked about and i don't remember how you phrased it but i was it just stands clear in my mind is our our kids get older you know they're they're they become teens and then tommy's now 18 and he'll be an adult soon and our other children will go off to college or whatever they end up doing leave the house leave the nest and here we are you know still 24/7 caregivers in ways that i don't know i don't i, I knew tommy i always said tommy was going to be with me forever like i i always said that like i don't know how you felt when you first got your diagnosis but i would walk around saying you know, Tommy, yeah, Tommy will be with me forever. Tommy will live with me forever. Well, you know, that for me is not the case. We're looking at, you know, I'm looking at residential placement right now for him, not far from me, but it's a huge change for me and a huge, you know, a huge change for our family. So I don't know what do you, if, what you want to share on that as far as, you know, how our, how our lives continue to be busy, busy, busy 24 seven, you know? Yeah, I always say that if people wanna,
1: you know, be friends with me and spend time with me, they have to come to me, they have to come to my house (laughs) because this is where I have to to stay to take care of Keller. And it's like having a big toddler um, because of the level of support and attention he needs All the time when you you know kind of sign up to be a mom you know that every year that passes they hit new milestones they become more independent they need you less and less and we're kind of stuck at you know the developmental age of four five with keller um yet he's enormous um he needs full supports for hygiene and eating and you know all of the necessities uh, not just safety issues. Uh, so it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. And, you know, I envy parents that have a nest full of kids that they can just fling open the door and they all go take off riding their bikes and find friends to play with. And they're, you know, left to, to do chores and, and, or take time for themselves or whatever. I I will, I'll never be there. Um, and yeah, I, i still say keller will be with me forever um though i know that that's not possible and it's it's not it's not appropriate right like our kids are supposed to reach these milestones where they move on to be their own form of independence no matter what it looks like i mean putting tina in a residential Um, situation would be like letting your child go off to college and now you know this is his life now and and this is how we operate um I can't imagine what you're going through emotionally and mentally because that would be a lot for me to wrap my head around um to know that you know I'm leaving Keller somewhere without me is is hard to um fathom but It is inevitable i can't do this forever i mean you know i even think about physically you know my shoulders and my elbows and all the all the things that are take you know taking care of color it takes a daily toll on like we we aren't equipped to do this forever
0: right and i'm just so hopeful that which is a whole nother big subject the states (laughs) whether it's Illinois, Wisconsin, wherever everyone lives that has a special needs child that will be aging out at 22 or earlier or later, depending on where you live. Um, What next, you know, that's the tsunami of, we always say there's a tsunami of special needs teens turning into adults that are gonna need to have services and they're not there, they're not there. So I've always been wired because I, this is just how I'm wired. I'm always looking at the next part of the journey. And I've been looking at it for a long time with Tommy, not really knowing what it was going to look like. And part of the reasons why I left and I'm here now is I was on the quest to find out what's next for tea, you know, and there's always that uncertainty. Even if you move wherever you get to, it's like, wait a minute. Wait, what does it look like you know it's there's always that that element of you know not having control over everything but i like how you said you know our kids typical our neurotypical kids they grow up they move on to do whatever whether it's college military or whatever workforce and they're on their way and with tea it's just a different it's a different path for them you know and in my mind i'm trying to think Oh, he's going away to summer camp. He's going away to college. Mm -hmm. But I am so entrenched with his day-to-day stuff that that's going to be the hardest part. It was hard for when my oldest went away, too. I was devastated when he moved out. You know, we're supposed to be their mamas forever. You know, (laughs) not really, but, you know. (laughs) Yep. So, yeah, it's it's a new season over here. A lot of letting go. Well, and, and what
1: you said about it being a whole other topic and society and states and governments and, and private agencies even need to realize that these, these adults are gonna need somewhere to go. And I feel like we're already kind of seeing a burst with the baby boomers aging in the assisted living places, the dementia places, like you, every, on every corner, you're seeing more of these places pop up because of the need for them. That Our population is another one that is going to need to be addressed. And that's another reason why I think it's really important that people that are parenting children on this side of the spectrum are vocal and do you know, get our voices out and, and make action happen.
0: Absolutely. There are so many ways to make action happen. And there's a lot of Facebook groups and private groups where you have the same topics being brought up over and over again, right? Whether it's long-term residential or schools or, you know, crisis. And, you know, unless we get together, band together and get to the legislators and get heard I feel like we're not going to make a lot of headway.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. We'll see what happens. We just got to keep, keep moving forward. Right, girl. Right. (laughs) I don't want Keller's care to fall on his brother.
1: So I really want to make sure that when I have to pass the torch on to somebody else, that Keller can be as successful as possible without Grady having to worry about him.
0: Yeah, that's exactly where I am as well. For sure. I want, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's gotta be really scary as a sibling. You know, I imagine if there isn't a plan in place and that does fall upon that sibling, I can't even imagine how that would, how, how that would feel, you know, so we do our best just to try to find the plan that we can, or to try to find a solution so that, you know, everything's, everything's in place when that happens.
1: Hundred percent.
0: And Keller School has been
1: wonderful and they do have a transition program. Um, and then they also have residential um homes available. So I keep thinking like, oh, it's so far away. I don't need to think about that yet. <laughs> and then in reality, it's really not that far away. But um at least I know that I do have a plan available. Um, and I obviously will try to turn over every stone on earth before I commit to anything and make sure that it's the best possible. But knowing that that is an option helps me sleep at night.
0: Oh yeah. That's amazing that you have, that could be an uh, option for you. That's wonderful. Wonderful. It's also great that you get now that I'm here, I get 20, you know, school year round, but you guys have had school year round for quite a while, which is awesome with limited breaks. That's such a blessing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I I can't even tell you how horrible the, the first two
1: years being in district with Keller and having the school year end, be off for two weeks, then have a bus pull up to take him to summer school in a different building with a different teacher on a different schedule. He would get used to it, but it's only six weeks and then it would be over. And then he would have to transition back into being at home for the rest of the summer he would get used to being at home. And then all of a sudden the school year would start again. So it was just, it was too many transitions. And I'm very grateful that his school, um, his therapeutic day school that he's at recognizes that. And they do have a program that runs year round. And there's, there's very little disruption in the schedule and in the hours per day.
0: That's awesome. There's no reason why every single district shouldn't offer that as well, because you're right. You know, COVID obviously, did a number on lots, right? With although I have to tell you, I think I mentioned this to you. Tommy did really well over COVID. I think he was just like, he was just like, We're going for a walk. we I was exhausted, okay. But like forget the online. Did you guys have online opportunities where they're like, Oh, we're gonna do online school or classes? Did you guys have that where he is? Has- so
1: It's funny because I also agree that Keller was living his best life during the pandemic. Um, There were very little demands placed on him. Our regular daily routine became three square meals a day and two long walks, like that was our schedule. And school did offer online sessions. Keller didn't get it, He, he he watches YouTube on his device, he doesn't understand that there possibly could be some interaction with that person that's speaking on a screen. So we immediately threw that off the window. Then they started FedExing me huge packets of papers of like, these are all of the things that you could be working on at home. And it stressed me out because I thought, okay, I'm already mom. And I have a full-time job, and now I have to put on the hats of a speech path, a PT, an OT, and an ABA therapist. Like, how am I possibly going to find enough hours in a day to do all of these things? And luckily, I put in a call to his developmental pediatrician who told me, as mom, that's my biggest priority through all of this. My only priority is to keep him safe and healthy. So I started recycling the FedEx packets, too, because I thought, I'm not putting this pressure on myself and I'm not putting these expectations on Keller. However, that said, there was a lot of regression during that period. He lost a lot of social skills. He lost um, the understanding and expectations of being in public. You know, we stopped going into stores with him because he wouldn't successfully wear a mask. He, you know, we did choose to be vaccinated and that wasn't available for a a large window of time. So we were avoiding public places and not seeing people. And so he's not used to being out again. There's a lot of relearning happening now, post pandemic.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm the same. I would get the packets too. And I, I was like, well, we're not going to be jumping on any of the zoom calls. So, right. Uh, thank God. That's, thank God that's behind us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dana, thank you so much for being on today. I really do appreciate your honesty and bringing up this topic. I'm sure there's going to be many conversations we can have in the future about it. You're an amazing. Mom, God, working full time and juggling all you do. You are amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for
1: having me. And you're pretty amazing too. <laughs>
0: Aw, thanks friend. I appreciate it. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. I'll thank- well, that's it. Until next time, be well.